You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy Thanksgiving in advance, since uh, this show will not be on again until next Saturday. Uh, but lots to get to before then. Lots to get to before the end of this hour. Thank you for joining me. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, let's kick it off with uh, the news from the last few days. Uh, of course, a lot of this news isn't really so new, but uh, it's it's new to me on this show since I was here uh, during the week, but uh, the awards have all been handed out, and uh, your MVPs are Jose Altuve in the AL and Giancarlo Stanton in the NL. Your Cy Youngs are Corey Kluber and Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Absolutely no surprise uh, for Rookie of the Year with uh, Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger, and Managers of the Year in the AL, Paul Molitor, and in the NL, Torrey Lavulo. So, uh not not a whole – there's always some debate, but it seems more than other years that there's been kind of a happy, warm, fuzzy feeling on social media uh, over these uh, these awards. Um, I think the NL MVP was interesting. I had uh, C. Trent Rosecrans on, I think it was two weeks ago, talking about Joey Votto's candidacy. Uh, both he and I agreed. We thought Votto should have won it, but it was it was so close. I would have had no issue. I have no issue with John Carlos Stanton winning it. Would have had absolutely no issue, of course, with Joey Votto winning it. A couple of trades this week, and naturally both involve the Mariners and Jerry Depoto, their GM. Uh, the bigger one was Ryan Healy going to the Mariners from the A's in exchange for reliever Emilio Pagan and 17-year-old shortstop Alexander Campos, who is now the uh, A's. 29th rated prospect, according to MLB.com. And the other deal involving the Mariners, they sent away reliever Tiago Vieira, a big-time flamethrower, uh, could hit triple digits. I think he just made one appearance this season, but uh, you know had a decent year in the minors. Uh, he goes to the White Sox for international bonus slot money. Hmm. Wonder what the Mariners might be thinking. Oh, yeah. Uh, in related news, the MLB Players Association has until Monday to sign off on the changes to the uh, posting system. So that uh, could have an impact on whether or not uh, we see Shohei Otani in the majors this year. And I'm sure the Mariners, based on their deal of acquiring some international bonus slot money, uh, have an eye on, Ot- on Otani. So uh, that's, of course, going to be an ongoing saga for the weeks to come. I'm sure I'll have much more to say about that uh, probably on next week's show. Anyways, there is more news, trade rumors, uh, teams uh, interested in certain uh, trade candidates and free agents. We'll go through that. We've got the Arizona Fall League winding up today and a lot, lot more. We're going to break down some catchers. Uh, anyways, so much to get to on the other side of this break. So stick with me here. I'll be right back.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, here's a little Def Leppard there. It's, yeah, I guess the only connection really with ACDC is, you know, roughly the same time periods. But it does remind me uh, of the passing of Malcolm Young uh, earlier today. So uh, uh, he'll be missed. He'll be missed, ACDC. Big part of the soundtrack for those of us uh, growing up in the, the 70s and 80s, especially the 80s. Uh, Anyhow, um, a lot to uh, to get to here, as I mentioned in the last segment. Uh, I've got some more news to get to. I want to dig a little deeper into that Ryan Healy trade because there are some collateral impacts. I don't think the move of Healy from Oakland to Seattle is going to be that huge for his trade value, and I'll explain why as well. But uh, those collateral, collateral impacts are pretty interesting. So I want to break that down as well. I went to Twitter and asked you which catchers you want me to talk about because I'm going to spend a little time talking about the catcher landscape. I'm going to, throughout the uh, the offseason here, focus on the positions one at a time. Uh, not really. I wouldn't say it's a catcher preview because those will come closer to draft time after you know all the free agent dust and player movement dust is settled. But to just take a look at the landscape, uh, the players involved and, and what that might mean for overall draft strategy. So I'm going to start with catchers today. And then you also came through big time on Twitter with some keeper questions. So I will get to those later on in the show. So plenty to get to. I'm going to have to be very disciplined on the show today, especially for a show in the middle of November, a surprisingly packed show today. But uh, before I do get to that, I do need to give you uh, the weekly reminder here that you can go to dailyroto.com or rotoexperts.com uh, slash DKMS on both of those sites, uh, dailyroad.com slash DKMS, rotoexperts.com slash DKMS. And you not only will find out at either of those sites more about DKMS and what it does to fight blood cancer, very, very important mission, uh, but also what you can do to help them, whether it's to sign up as a bone marrow donor or to make a donation or just simply to learn more about the organization and, and be able to spread the word. So uh, check that out. And while you're there, a nice little bonus. There's uh, a free DFS game co-sponsored by Fantasy uh, Sports Radio Network and Fantasy Draft, uh, free fantasy football contest that runs every week uh, through week 16. So, of course, there have been lots of contests already underway, but you can still play. You can play this week. And then uh, on week 17, each of those 16 weekly winners will compete to win the grand prize of two tickets to Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota. So lots of good reasons to visit either of those sites. So let me uh, get back to the news. Uh, I think uh, we need to have a little John Carlos Stanton update here besides the fact that he is your National League most valuable player. But uh, the Marlins talked with the Cardinals earlier this week. 
So the teams that uh, have been in the news for a week or two, the Cardinals, uh, the Phillies, the the Red Sox, and the Giants, they're, they're still very much in play. But the uh, Cardinals had some actual talks with the Marlins. And according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, the Giants are, have actually been the most aggressive of these teams in pursuing the Marlins. Uh, that's interesting. I don't know necessarily how noteworthy it is because – uh, of all those teams, I think the Giants may have the hardest time coming up with the the package of prospects that the Marlins would really need. So uh, the the intrigue continues. In terms of a uh, couple of uh, pitchers that the Orioles are interested in, Alex Cobb, uh, one of the nine players that received a qualifying offer, all nine this week rejected those qualifying offers. I don't think there's any surprise there. But now that he is a full-fledged free agent, the Orioles are interested in Alex Cobb. They're also interested in Tyler Chatwood. Uh, Both of those news items, uh, courtesy of John Morosi of Fox Sports. And also there was a really neat piece on Tyler Chatwood on MLB.com by Mike Petrello uh, about how he sort of profiles as Charlie Morton 2.0 in terms of uh, his his arsenal, his his spin rate. velocity trends. That's pretty interesting. And I know uh, my friend Fred Zinke, who has been on the show a few times, he'll be very uh, excited about that. Uh, He's big Tyler Chatwood uh, tout. So uh, anyhow, Orioles looking to beef up that rotation. Uh, Some news for the Cardinals uh, coming from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Matt Carpenter may move to a super utility role this year. Uh, That said, he would still be an everyday player, but he would not have a set position. So basically take his career and boil it down into one season. That's what you might be looking at, where a little bit of time at first, second, third. Uh, not sure where else they might play him. I don't know if he'd play the outfield or not, but uh, uh, I think, again, that's where the collateral impact might have uh, more interest for the fantasy owner. Uh, what does this mean for Colton Wong? What does this mean for, for Jed Jerko, uh, uh, Paul DeYoung? So those are all uh, things, I think, uh, to keep an eye on, more so maybe than Matt Carpenter's playing time. Also, Alex Reyes coming back from Tommy John surgery. He may not start the year off in the rotation, but rather uh, begin in the, in the bullpen and work his way up to an expanded role. Same thing may be true for uh, Sandy Alcantara, who uh, has uh, most recently pitched in A and in the Arizona Fall League. Also, the Cardinals, and this is by way of John Morosi, the Cardinals have discussed acquiring Alex Colome from the Rays. They do need a closer. Um, Trevor Rosenthal had uh, Tommy John and was uh, let go. So they need a closer. They may be trading for Alex Colome. And as I mentioned earlier, this afternoon is the Arizona Fall League Championship, Mesa versus Peoria. It will be on right after the show. So three o'clock Eastern uh, and a lot of good, uh, good prospects in this one. So if you've had your fill of college football or running errands or whatever, uh, Victor Robles, Jacob Brugman, Kyle Tucker, they're all in the starting lineup for Mesa. The Peoria, Peoria starting lineup is uh, really impressive. They've got uh, Ronald Acuna, Michael Chavez, Josh Naylor, who was in the fall stars game and talked about him quite a bit on the show. Alex Jackson, uh, Louis, Luis Urias, uh, who we also talked about on the show. So those, all of those players, and Lourdes Guriel also is in the Peoria lineup. 
So uh, a lot of fun prospects to watch in that one if you've got the time. Anyhow, uh, getting back to Jacob Brugman. Yes, Jacob Brugman. Uh, yeah, he play, he's playing in the uh, AFL championship, but he's one of several players who I think becomes a little more interesting because of this Ryan Healy trade, not to necessarily put the focus on him. That's just basically where I saw an opportunity to make a segue. Uh, but there's a lot of players I think that could be impacted by Healy. But first of all, Healy himself, uh, what does his value look like? Well, if we look back at the past season, he didn't uh, set the world on fire. I think he was probably a mild disappointment for some owners because uh, he had a really nice campaign in his first year with Oakland, a partial season uh, where he you know, really, really exceeded what he had done in the minors, hitting, uh, hitting for average, hitting for much more power. And he did a little less of those things in 2017 and winding up 26th among third basemen in roto value, according to the ESPN player rater, 28th at first base, because he is was eligible and will be eligible at both of those positions. He's going to play first base for the Mariners. By the way, he's going to be their everyday first baseman. Uh, so at first base, as you would guess, a little less value, 30th in, uh, in roto value, 33rd in points. And he's going to lag a little bit in his points value, because he doesn't walk. So that's really, he's got some pretty good skills, but I would say plate discipline is not necessarily one of them. Uh, so, you know, he's got some decent power. He's really good for whatever reason at getting infield hits. Uh, and I, I've been doing a little bit of researching just on ground ball average in general lately. I hope to have a lot more to report on that in the coming weeks. But Healy stands out as one of those players who hits very well for average on ground balls, gets a lot of infield hits. And it's really sort of mysterious as to why, because it's not like he's one to spray the ball around. He's not fast by any means. And that's probably the most important factor when it comes to determining ground ball average. So he could maybe be a candidate for some further batting average regression, but it's not because he's going to Seattle. I mean, in terms of the lineup he's going to this past season, it was similar in production. The venue he's going to is a, is slightly more hitter friendly, but I really think it's a lateral move for Healy. Um, now, I think it's a better move because I think he would have been crunched for playing time if he had stayed in Oakland, but compared to what, what he had this past season, I think if it's an upgrade going to Seattle, it's only a very slight upgrade for Ryan Healy. So uh, anyhow, that said, got ahead to break, but I am not done with this Ryan Healy business. So if you stick around, I'm going to break down some of those collateral impacts. And I'm also going to take a look at the catcher landscape. Pretty interesting. Uh, really have an impact on draft strategy. So stay around. I will be right back. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melkier. And what an appropriate lead-in thriller, because I just checked out some of the college football scores during the break there, and looks like we got a good one between Miami and Virginia and Michigan and Wisconsin. So, uh, but focus here for the next uh, half hour plus is on fantasy baseball. We actually got quite a lot to talk about. I am in the midst of breaking down this Ryan Healy trade going from the A's to the Mariners. And I put out I put out a couple of Twitter polls. I put out one about some catchers, and I'm going to get to that one a little bit later. But I also put one out about some third baseman or, or to be more specific, third base eligible players, because, again, Healy's going to be primarily a first base this season, first baseman this season. That's the plan in Seattle. Uh, Nick Castellanos, I uh, would assume, will be an outfielder. But uh, I had a hard time finding somebody I thought would be a comparable for Ryan Healy in this poll. And the results have really really uh, proven that to, to be true. So I included Castellanos in this poll. Uh, I include Todd Frazier, Eugenio Suarez, who I suspected probably would pose the greatest dilemma. If you were sitting there looking for a third baseman, uh, those two were still on the board. And let's say Castellanos is not. Um, that could be a tough dilemma. Um, they, they were pretty close in the results. I put Todd Frazier on there too, even though he brought up the rear among these four players in terms of value this past season. Uh, he's been uh, a pretty high-tier third baseman uh, pretty recently. I I hold out hopes for uh, for a rebound from Todd Frazier. He got clobbered. He only got 5% of the vote. So uh, maybe a little recency bias there, or maybe uh, just some smart voting. But only 5% for Frazier, 52% for Castellanos. He ran away with this poll. So it really was really came down to Healy and Suarez kind of in the middle. Uh, Suarez won that battle. He got 25% of the the vote, which third base eligible player would he prefer to draft in 2018? 25% voted for Suarez, 18% voted for Healy. I think that's that's pretty much how I would rank these four, Castellanos, Suarez, Healy, Frazier. I had some hopes maybe it would be a little tighter in the voting. But, uh, you know, I think that goes to show that Healy's probably, I mean, you know, it's a sample. Uh, that poll was only out for an hour and a half. So, you know, it, it, maybe it's not the most representative sample, but I, I tend to think that is how it's going to play out. And I thought maybe Healy would be a little bit more popular. But I think people understand that he's kind of at the bottom end of the top 30 uh, as far as third base eligible players go. Uh, that's where he was last year. I don't expect him to really... Do that much better, like I said. Maybe a, a little bit more opportunity for run production in Seattle. Maybe some batting average regression that cancels that out. So uh, I, I'm I appear to be I appear to have the pulse on the people's valuation of Ryan Healy. But let's get to those uh, collateral impacts because I actually think those are those are more interesting. Now, like I said before, I think this is a good move for Healy in the sense that had he stayed in Oakland. He probably would have seen less playing time. In fact, I, I did a projection for him the day before this trade happened. And then the next day I went and I, I gave him, I'm trying to remember how many more, I think 60 or 70 more plate appearances. Because uh, I don't see him really being contested much for playing time at first base in Seattle. Uh, you got Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. The two Mats in Oakland pretty much have those corner positions nailed down. 
Uh, so if he had stayed, he, he could have DH'd like he did for much of last year. But there are there's a pretty crowded roster there right now. So what this could do maybe is allow Bob Melvin to move Chris Davis to the DH slot and allow him to play Boog Collins center and Jacob Brugman in a corner. And so I've talked about Brugman a little bit before in regards to today's AFL championship. Uh, so that's one way it could go. But the, the question that I had late last season that now I think is a little bit easier to answer is where does Chad Pender play? Because I'd love to see his bat and the A's lineup on an everyday basis or close to it. He could be the DH, or maybe he could go to the outfield. And I also think Renato Nunez now goes from being somebody who appeared to be pretty much on the outside of playing time, and maybe with a good spring, he could emerge as a DH candidate. Um, and, I, and I think Nunez and Healy could be kind of similar. Uh, Nunez also does not have very good play discipline, but he's got quite a bit of power. So, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, if they, they plug Nunez in for Healy, at least part of the time, that could uh, be a, a pretty lateral move for the A's. But I, I really, I'd like to see Chad Pender get some time. But whatever I want to see, whatever you want to see, I mean, the important thing here is, you know, let's keep our eyes on what the A's do the rest of this offseason. And then come spring training time, let's let's see how the, this playing time sorts itself out. Because, like I said, there's quite a few names there. Uh, that all probably can't fit into uh, a typical starting lineup. And then let's not forget the other side of this deal. Emilio Pagan, who had a really nice rookie season for the Mariners, I thought sort of overlooked, pitched uh, a lot of of long relief innings. So he he appeared in only 34 games. But he pitched 50 and one-third innings. So there were quite a few multiple inning performances there. That gave him, I thought, some appeal in some deeper leagues where you needed guys with ratios who could give you some innings. And check this out. A nice, very nice strikeout rate, 28.6%. And now let's compare that to to the walk rate, 4.1%. So here's somebody with really good control, really good command. If there's a weakness... And so this is probably one big reason why we don't hear more about Emilio Pagan. He had a 22% ground ball rate. I mean, that's crazy, crazy low. And the good news for him is he goes from a park that's pretty good for pitchers to one that's even better. So uh, Oakland Coliseum is going to be a, a pretty good place for him to mask those extreme fly ball tendencies. Now, last year, he had a home run per nine ratio of 1.25, which is not great, but in last year's home run hitting environment, not awful. But especially for a reliever, you'd certainly like to see something closer to or under one, even with that very low ground ball rate. But the flip side that you see with extreme fly ball pitchers give up more home runs, his home run rate was not hor- uh, horrendous. And then the flip side was there, a 258 BABIP that is utterly sustainable with that ground ball rate. And better yet, of all the pitchers in the major leagues last year who accumulated 20 or more innings on fly balls put in play, Pagan had the 10th lowest hard contact rate. So as much as I've talked about Andrew Kashner on this show over the months, yet I had to could not go an episode without uh, rendering his name 
but there's a reason why here. Kashner led the majors in that with a lot of innings, by the way. Uh, as good as he was, Pagan was not that much worse. So that's that's pretty good. If that's a skill for Pagan, where he's got such good command that he can locate where those fly balls are not going to have a whole lot of uh, hard contact behind them, he could do great in Oakland. I think he is a potential closer candidate. As of now, the team says that he's going to be used in the setup role. But you know how this goes. Last couple of years, two-thirds of all opening day closers wound up losing the role for one reason or another, effectiveness or injury being the main reasons, of course. Uh, Blake, uh, Blake Trinan, I don't think has that role nailed down. I mean, maybe for opening day, maybe not. I don't know. But whether it's him, whether it's Frankie Montas, whether they go back to Santiago Casilla, Chris Hatcher, whoever, I think Pagan's got skills to match up with any of them. And it's just incredible how often, if you're patient enough, the most skilled pitcher will come through for you with those fantasy saves. It happened in Texas with Alex Claudio, who was not probably most people's idea of the most skilled reliever in that bullpen because of the very low strikeout rate. But he gets so much soft contact, so many grounders, that I think he actually was the best reliever in that bullpen. And then he did very well as the Rangers closer. So Pagan, of course, a more traditional closers profile. But right now, I like him the best out of all those guys. Doesn't mean he gets the saves eventually, but... I think he's got a shot at it. So um, that's another thing to keep an eye on with that uh, with that particular trade. Anyhow, um, enough on that trade. I need to spend some time here on catchers because, like I said, I'm going to go position by position and take a look at the landscape. Not so much a preview, but just sort of the overall lay of the land, how players are distributed production-wise. And catcher... There's there's a few at the top. Uh, there's a few at the very, very top, uh, and that would be Gary Sanchez and uh, Buster Posey, I think, really the clear elites. And I think there's pretty much consensus, consensus that Sanchez should be drafted before Posey. But those two stand out pretty much head and shoulders. I don't think Wilson Contreras is too far behind. Then you've got a second tier that is quite a bit behind, but I think sort of lumpy in, in, in terms of that. Even though they, they get their value in different ways, I think they're, they're going to wind up being similar in value. And then after you get really beyond the top six or seven, I'm going to call it seven. And then you can disagree with me in the next segment once you hear who I, I rattle off. Then there's just a gaping void. And what do you do on draft day then? I mean, do you absolutely have to prioritize one of those top six or seven? Or who's left? Who are the leftovers uh, at that position? So that's what I'm going to look into in uh, the next segment. Um, and I'm also going to pay attention to a few catchers in two catcher leagues, which I know is not everybody's cup of tea, but there's some interesting names there. So who are they? Stick around through this break, and on the other side, you will find out. I'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. Back everybody, this is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and it's uh, that time, that time to start looking ahead to your 2018 drafts, maybe not getting granular, although I know a lot of us, myself included, are working on rankings. In fact, I know some of you even have rankings already. Uh, I work on rankings and projections simultaneously, so working on both of those. Uh, so no better time to... Start taking a look at the positions, uh, at least in terms of the kind of you know thirty thousand foot overview. Uh, and catcher, I mean, I don't think it's it's really any controversy to say that it's a position that's pretty thin. Uh, you've got some some great talent at the very top. You've got a small sort of second tier uh, that have have some upside, but you know also have some real question marks. And then there's everybody else. And the everybody else is pretty much everybody excluding, as I count it, seven seven catchers. So, of course, the big two, Sanchez and Posey, um, given the landscape of the rest of the position, it, it certainly pays to prioritize those two. I think Wilson Contreras is going to reach that level this year. But you obviously do have to put him behind Sanchez and Posey because he just hasn't produced at the same level they have yet for a whole season. Um, and then after that, there's JT Romuto. I don't think anybody has any question. I think he's probably in a lot of people's top four, probably top five. Uh, I'd be surprised if he was outside of uh, very many people's top five. There's Yadier Molina, who is, I think, even though much, much older, I think that the skill sets of the two aren't that different. I mean, both are going to most likely hit hit for a good average, especially for a catcher. And I'm going to get to that, that qualification for a catcher and tell you exactly what I mean by that. Uh, both give you probably moderate power, but not necessarily. I think, you know, even 15 homer power for, for either of those guys, Real Muto or Molina is uh, far from a lock. And you get a handful of steals. And then, of course, there's Salvador Perez, who has as much power as maybe anybody at the position. Uh, could certainly rival uh, Gary Sanchez, I think, in any given year. But uh, the more power that he supplies, the lower the batting average is. He's really changed as a hitter over the years. Because remember when he first came up, this is a guy who you thought could be a perennial 290 hitter, really good contact hitter, and if only that power would come. <laughs> and then the power came, but it, it came by way of a very fly ball heavy approach, not as good uh, of a contact percentage. So the strikeout rate has been rising for Perez. And, uh, you know, so it's, I think it's been a net gain for Perez, but uh, it's not certainly, I, I shouldn't put this on anybody else, but I had visions of him keeping that high batting average 
and hitting for a lot more power. And that just hasn't really, really happened yet. So, you know, maybe if this year he did that, we could put him in the top tier, but there's nothing in his statistical trends that suggests that that's coming at this point for, for Sal Perez. So I put him in the second tier. And then finally, uh, at least for now, I got to put Jonathan Lucroy there because he's just a year removed from being elite at the position. I don't know what happened in 2017. Maybe this is going to be the, one of those off-season stories, sort of like last year with Dallas Keuchel, where I think there was a common, percent, common perception that that Cy Young year for Keuchel was the aberration. And then uh, 2016 was evidence that that was an aberration. And then we find out his shoulder was hurting him all season. So maybe we'll find something out. There was just something very strange about Lucroy's 2017 season. Uh, there's got to be some explanation because, you know, just like Sal Perez more gradually over the years has become this extreme fly ball hitter. Lucroy became this extreme, extreme ground ball hitter. And when he got to Colorado, he hit for, for average, but still no power, which was hugely disappointing. So I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to rank him seventh just yet. I, I'm still trying to figure that out exactly where I value Lucroy, but at least tentatively, I think I've got to put him in, in that second tier. Um, and then there's everybody else. And there's some really interesting names to consider. There's uh, Mike Zanino, who emerged as a, a power breakout guy last year. There's Wellington Castillo, who's been pretty good for power for a few years now and, and kind of hit another gear in 2017. Uh, Evan Gaddis is, is, you know, sort of lingering in that conversation, but playing time is, is certainly a concern for him. But then, you know, you talk about Gaddis, you got to talk about McCann, who can still hit for power. Um, you know, there's a number of, of players and the, the catcher rankings were just weird last year because of this big drop off. I mean, you had Kurt Suzuki as a top, top 10 roto catcher. He had a great year, but he wasn't even the Braves primary catcher for most of the year. Uh, Tyler flowers, you know, in the end wound up with, with, uh, significantly more playing time. I think that that pecking order got a little bit muddled later on in the year. But um, that's an interesting situation due to there. Uh, Suzuki and Flowers both ranking very high among catchers, and yet neither one playing enough for us to really make the leap and say, hey, that's that's a second-tier catcher for 2018. So there are a few players that I think uh, deserve some focus, and I actually put a, a, a question out on Twitter. Who do you want me to talk about? And that Suzuki flower situation was one thing I was going to address. And then uh, somebody said, yeah, talk about that. And I also definitely get to talk about Austin Barnes because he's the one player who emerged from the postseason with a totally different outlook than he had going into the postseason. And, but he had a season that should give us, I think a lot of high hopes for him in 2018. But uh, before I get into those particulars, uh, I did mention, I put out a Twitter poll and just like I asked with Ryan Healy and the three other third base eligible players, who would you most want to draft in 2018? I asked, which one of these four catchers would you most want to draft for Roto in 2018? And I was very specific about that because the catchers that are in this group um, could rank very differently based on format. So I did include Austin Barnes, who definitely has some points league appeal because he has absolutely elite. I we all use that word a lot. I use that word a lot, but it really applies here. He has elite plate discipline. 
and then Castillo, I put in there, Brian McCann, and Zanino. So three guys who rely more on power. Uh, and then Austin Barnes, who probably I would project for the least power out of this group, but probably the highest batting average, definitely the highest on-base percentage. Fantastic lineup. His playing time situation is obviously a little bit unclear right now, but I don't think you could have gotten a stronger signal in September and especially in the postseason that Barnes should be at the top of the Dodgers death chart right now, a catcher, and that Grandal will either be a backup or maybe be traded. So I put those four. Who would you most want to draft? Castillo won, and, and by a pretty good margin, 40%. And then Zunino and Barnes tied. I don't know if it's an exact tie, but they both wound up with 23%, and then McCann rounding out at 14%. So that's pretty interesting. And I, And again, I find that really encouraging that people are valuing Barnes on a similar level, at similar level as Mike Zanino, because uh, I think Zanino's stock, rightly so, is up a lot from where it was a year ago. And um, he, too, was a top 10 roto catcher this past year. But Barnes, man, he could do it all. He can't hit for power, probably, like Zanino can, uh, at least not for this coming season, I wouldn't think. But... Uh, like I said, great plate discipline, really good contact skills. He's not devoid of power. I think it's probably more like 15 homer power than 25 to 30 homer power. But enough power, I think, to to give him some real value, uh, you know, could possibly lead catchers in stolen bases. He didn't run a whole lot last season. But in the minors, stole quite a bit of bases, had pretty good efficiency. So... Um, yeah, Castillo stands out amongst the crowd. Uh, I, I think for me, I have a little bit of uncertainty there because it sort of depends on I think, where he winds up and, and how he's used. But, but uh, I think as of right now, I actually do like Barnes the best out of that group. He, again, just especially for Roto, he's got, well, again, he's got points league appeal, so I don't mean to minimize that. But Roto, he can help you in possibly every category, every five by five category, whether it's a batting average league or an on-base percentage league. Uh, and then some other catchers that people were interested in. Again, I mentioned before the tandem of Tyler Flowers and Kurt Suzuki. Uh, because they're both there in Atlanta, I wouldn't draft either one as a number one. Uh, but I'd be very, very happy to have either one as a number two. And even if they split the time equally, or even if, if, if you know, let's say I drafted Suzuki and he wound up again being on the lesser side of that playing time split, I'd be happy to have Kurt Suzuki as my number two catcher because I think the power is pretty legit for him. Uh, he doesn't strike out much, so he may not hurt you too much uh, with batting average, but that really is contingent upon him hitting home runs because he is a fly ball guy who's not going to be great on balls and play. But... Um, of the two, I actually think Flowers has the greater regression potential because he's hit for average. He's gotten on base. But um, his his batted ball profile sort of jumbled the last few years. The, the The surface stats look really steady, but the batted ball profile is a little bit more confusing. I'm not sure what to expect from Tyler Flowers this year. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Suzuki actually got the larger share of playing time. And neither one is a standout defensively, although both improved somewhat last year. 
So uh, the, the final uh, catcher that uh, you asked about on Twitter, Jorge Alfaro, showed some good power. I'm very skeptical, though. Most of his playing time came in September, uh, facing lesser pitching. Uh, and not very good plate discipline for Alfaro. So I think maybe 2019 he'd have some value, but I'm very skeptical for this year, uh, which would be his first full year. Anyway, you sent me some Twitter questions on keepers. I'm going to answer them right after this break. The award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. Welcome back. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melkier, your host. And as I mentioned, I've got some uh, questions from you all on Twitter, mostly with a uh, keeper slant. Uh, I did want to mention, I uh, sort of uh, foreshadowed something I was going to talk about with the catchers, talking about sort of the scarcity of batting average and on-base percentage there. Uh, I just, I have run out of time, so I will address that either here next week or maybe I'll, I'll write something up on that. So stay tuned. Uh, uh, check me out on Twitter Al, at Al Melchior BB um, uh, for uh, maybe uh, some explanation on that. Or if I don't get it, uh, get it there, uh, bug me there on Twitter. Um, but one way or another, I'll get that out to you. But I want to get get to as many of these questions as I can. So here we go at Ewell1127. Interested who you think I should keep? Pick two, 12-team, 5-by-5. Five five. Bunch of $5 players. Bellinger, Hoskins, Marte, Bregman, Moncada, Buxton, Devers. And then you got Trey Turner at 10. Carlos Correa at 15. Uh, a lot of these players are good values, including Turner and Correa. If this is Roto, I actually would go with Turner and Correa. Um, and it's hard to pass up Bellinger and Hoskins in particular at $5, um, especially Bellinger, I would say. But it's just uh, Turner, the chance to get all those steals in, in a Roto league. Um, oh, and you, okay. You did say 5 by 5 So, yeah, I'd go uh, reluctantly Turner and Correa there. Um yeah, tough to, to miss out on Bellinger. If it was not a roto format, I would substitute Bellinger for Turner and save the five bucks. All right. Uh, keep bets in sixth round for one year or Mitch Hanniger in the 23rd round for three years. This one's pretty easy for me, bets, because I know I'm, I'm pretty certain he's going to be a value as a sixth rounder. Hanniger could be a huge value, or maybe he is just a sort of a late round type. And, uh, you know, you could replace him pretty well at some point over the next three years. I'm going with the sure thing uh, and the higher end guy and, and going with bets. Okay, I've got a, uh, I'm sorry, that was from J underscore Ali underscore 04. 
Uh, this is from at Papa Dell. I'm not sure if this counts, but what do you consider a good keeper format, kicking around potential ideas, and we really can't come to agreement. That's what I'm going to have to handle mostly on Twitter, Papa Dell. But uh, I will say that uh, the simpler, for me, the simpler, the better. And some keeper formats, by necessity, are very complicated with, you know, A players, B players, C players, graduated uh, increases in, in salary and all that. But um, so I mean to need to actually ask you a few questions about your league's rules already. But, you know, if you keep it simple, that to me is the best way. Uh, this one at Rave three two three Ale Roto League one dollar Carns or a ten dollar Leak. I'm going with the one dollar Carns, uh, and I realize Leak is the sure thing. He may be the better bet to match that ten dollars in an Ale only league, but I just think that's that's the ceiling for him. I don't I don't see him really being a bargain. I see him maybe returning value or just a little bit over it. Uh, Nate Carnes, I mean, really uh, a lot of strikeout potential still. I mean, there are health issues. There's a home run issue, but at one buck, why not? Uh, I'd go with Carnes there. Uh, let's see. This is uh, at Wicked Hog. What will the effect be of the extra innings on Keuchel off and on minor issues this year? Uh, I'd say minor at best. I mean, you do have to worry about... Uh, health with him to some degree, but uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to treat him really any differently because of the innings. If I'm going to discount him, it's going to be slightly because at the, at the point where he's been going in early mocks, uh, I just don't think you're taking that much of a gamble on him compared to other risky pitchers you might take. I'm sorry I did not get to all of them. Uh, those who I did not answer, I will answer you on Twitter, but thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, there will be a hot stove show on Friday. Check that out, and I'll be back here on Saturday. So have a great weekend. Stay tuned for the producers.